If you have your Bibles, you can open them with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I'll be joining you there in time. We we're finishing up today a, a three-part series that I've entitled, Do You Not Know? Do You Not Know? This is uh, part three of the Do You Not Know series. And we've been looking at passages that ask the question, do you not know? And then the passage proceeds to declare those things that we need to know, those things that we should know. And I feel as though the question is posed in various places in the scripture as a point of emphasis. Now, everything in God's word is good and profitable and, and, and all of it is important. But it seems that some principles the Lord reinforces time and time again through the scripture. And uh, this is those this, this is that occasion when we see that. Do you not know this reminder? Listen, this is something you should know. You need to know. You must know. And so we want to look at these things. Now, we're not we will have not exhausted all the places in the scripture where this phrase appears. But I think we've hit some some important parts. And if you'll remember, just by way of review, we began in that passage in Isaiah. Have you not known? Have you not heard? And talking about just the wonder of God, the greatness of God who never slumbers nor sleeps. It gives strength and power. And then last week, we, so we went from the wonder of God. Last week, we took a look at the work of God, specifically the work of God in salvation and how that should, how that should be applied into our own life. And we saw very clearly that God's part of something that takes place when we come to faith in Christ is that we bury the old man and we come alive in newness of life. You remember our passage from last week's Romans 6, verse 3. Do you not know that as many as us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we buried with him through we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should we also should walk in newness of life. We looked at that picture of baptism, which is that idea of a burial and resurrection. And this week and finally today, I want to focus on the walking in newness of life, the walking out of our calling, the walk of the spirit. We will have looked at the wonder of God, the work of God in salvation. And then finally today, the walk of the spirit filled life. And the scripture uses this phrase walk as a common understanding of how you live out your Christian life. Just a few references. You don't need to turn, but you, you get the idea in Ephesians 411, excuse me, 41. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Ephesians 210, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Colossians 1.10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Colossians 2.6, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. And finally, 1 Thessalonians 2.12, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own glory, his own kingdom and glory. The old man is dead. The old ways, the old empty pursuits, the old selfish ambitions, 
which lead to emptiness, frustration, disappointment, and death. And we have been given a new beginning, a new, a fresh start, a new life with purpose and meaning, with both a future and a hope. Life filled with joy, peace, love, and fulfillment. That's what the walk of the Spirit is to look like. Now you may say today, you know, that, that doesn't exactly describe my life. I, I don't really notice this. Uh, this joy, peace, love, and fulfillment. How come I'm not experiencing this newness of life? Well, the truth is, it's a, it's a life that can only be found in the power of His Spirit. It's not something you can muster up in your own strength. How do I walk in the Spirit is the answer to how can I live and walk in newness of life. So, you're there in 1 Corinthians 6. There's something we need to know. Look with me, skip down to verse 19. I'll cover a little bit of the context here, but my main focus is on this point that the apostle makes, starting in verse 19. And here's our phrase again. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Do you know, do you not know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? Now, the context here in in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church specifically about sexual immorality. And he's saying, listen, in verse 18, he says, you need to flee sexual immorality. You should not be misusing your bodies for immoral purposes, because don't you know, your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And some in the Corinthian church were engaged in sexual immorality. And Paul tells them that this is clearly a misuse of their temple. The Holy Spirit is now dwelling in you and you are not only Does he live in you? But you belong to him. You're the Lord's property. He has purchased you at a price. And we know that the price that that the Lord paid was the blood of his own son, Jesus Christ. We now belong to him. The old man is dead and the new man is his. And so we need to live in such a way that reflects this truth. He has deposited something within us. And that something is his very own presence in the person of the Holy Spirit. In the same way that the Old Testament temple was a dwelling place for his presence among his people, we are now individually temples of the Holy Spirit, of his presence. He would say earlier in 1 Corinthians, you don't need to turn, but in chapter 3, verse 16, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Listen to some other remarks, even of Jesus speaking of the Holy Spirit. John fourteen twenty three. Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. Listen, and we will come to him and make our home with him. God has moved in to the neighborhood of your heart. He has made his home. He has taken up residence in your life. The Holy Spirit living within us. Listen, it impacts not only, as our context here of 1 Corinthians, not only our sexual conduct, but truthfully, the Holy Spirit living in our lives impacts every aspect of our life, every part of our life. 
And that's what I want to focus on here this morning, that we would glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which belong to him. Living the life in the spirit, bringing glory to God. Three areas that I would like to emphasize here this morning with you. Those three areas are help, change and service. Help, change and service. These are the areas uh, not not an exhaustive list, but definitely areas where I believe the Holy Spirit makes a great impact in our lives now that he lives within us. First, let's consider the help that comes to our life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 46, one says God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He's not a far off distant help helps on the way. Hang in there. He's a very present help. In fact, he is dwelling within your own heart. God has already taken up residence in your life. John fourteen sixteen. I will pray, Jesus said, the Father, and he will give you another. Listen how Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit. He will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the helper. Part of what God has in mind by moving into your life is to help, is to bring a great assistance into your life. He dwells with you. He will be in you. Jesus speaking of that time when the Holy Spirit would be poured out. Listen to what he says about the Holy Spirit in John 16 and verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus trying to comfort his disciples with this understanding that even though I am leaving and he's been telling them, he's been speaking of his death and they're very discouraged, as you can imagine. He says, listen, it's to your advantage that I go. Because after I go, I will be able to send this helper, this wonderful touch upon your life, the help of the Holy Spirit. Think of that endorsement. Think of these disciples having walked with Jesus these three and a half years. And Jesus says, guess what, guys? I got good news. I'm leaving. (laughs) What? Yeah, and it's to your advantage. That can't be true. That can't be right, Jesus. We've enjoyed walking with you, seeing the miracles. We don't want you to ever leave. And Jesus said, no. There's something even better than watching God use my life. It's God moving into your life. The helper, the spirit of God actually taking up residence in your own heart. What an endorsement. What a powerful statement of faith by Jesus concerning this helper. What are some of the areas that the Lord, by his Holy Spirit, brings help to our lives? Again, I'm not we don't have time to exhaust everything today concerning the Holy Spirit. But let's take take a look at some highlights. One of the areas that I believe the Lord brings help is in the area of comfort, comfort. In fact, the original King James, where I read to you today, I'm reading out of the new King James, where where, uh, Jesus translates, I will send you a helper. The original King James says, I will send you a comforter. It is the Greek word paraclete, and it can be translated helper or comforter. It means advocate, intercessor. The Holy Spirit is come to help, and part of the help that he brings to your life 
is comfort. Now be honest. Are there seasons in your life when you need comfort? When you need just something from God to know that He's with you? That you're going to be alright? That He's made promise to you and over your life? That somehow, some way, you're going to get through this. And God's going to be with you every step of the way. And that in the end, He's going to work all things together for good. The Holy Spirit is the one who bears witness of these truths in our heart. Otherwise, they're just words, they're just thoughts. But no, when God's Spirit embeds them in your heart, you you come to a place of believing them. And then you come to a place of seeing them. And God's faithfulness bears witness by His Spirit within you. Again, just I'm quoting a lot of verses, not, don't, not having time to ask you to turn to all of them, but bear with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, listen, and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. He is the God of all comfort. The scriptures do not uh, promise a life without trouble. The Bible does not promise a, a Christian life apart from tribulation and trial. In fact, just the opposite. Jesus said, In the world you will have tribulation. Peter says, Consider it not strange, this fiery ordeal that you're going through. God has not promised you and I to escape. Trial and, and, and discomfort and, and trouble, but rather that He will be with us through that trial, and in that we will find comfort, an inner strength, an inner peace. Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Comfort in His promises, comfort in knowing that He is merciful. Comfort in knowing that He loves me. Comfort in knowing that He has overcome the world. Comfort in knowing that, that even in the worst case scenario, if I, would even, if I were to lose my life in this trial, even death and the grave have been conquered by Christ. And He has given me great promise. And that bring a, brings a peace that passes understanding. You know, you may be in a trial here today. In fact, it seems that... Um, Almost everybody I meet is in some kind of a trial. It seems that every man is is carrying some kind of burden. And comfort is one of those things that I I think we just regularly need. And it, it comes from him, from the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm thankful for some comfort that is found in 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 the, you know, the friendships and the relationships that we have. But no one can comfort me like the Lord can comfort me. No one can touch my heart like he can. No one can. And in fact, even when all the men may say great, wonderful things to encourage you, no one can encourage you like the Lord. Just that still small voice within your spirit. You know, maybe your trial is the result of your own ill choices. You know, I've I've had to find comfort at times in my life just coming and appealing to his mercy. But I find great comfort in knowing that he loves me enough to forgive me. That he's already taken care of even my mistakes in Christ. And a bruised reed he will not break. And a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. God is not against you. 
God is not trying to snuff you out and break you off and cut you off. Rather, God wants to bring comfort. God wants to bring mercy and help. You know this, the famous passage, Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? How can you say that, psalmist? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God's presence with you through every trial is a comfort. You're never alone. You are not on your own. God has not forgotten you. God has not left you to yourself. He is with you. He is nigh you. He is in your heart. He is in your temple. The Holy Spirit dwelling with you. Not only does he help us through bringing comfort, he helps us through bringing strength and courage. Strength and courage. Remember what he told Joshua in chapter Joshua 1 and verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do, do not be dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You may be facing some challenges. I mean, it's one thing to go through a trial in a valley. It's another thing to be looking at a mountain that is ahead of you. You know, get me out of this valley only to come to the foot of the mountain that I have to now climb. This overwhelming task, this overwhelming challenge before me. And it can cause fear. It can cause discouragement. But the Lord is with you. And whatever the Lord would lead you to, whatever the Lord is taking you to or taking you through, He will provide the strength and courage to walk through it and over it. He told this to Joshua at the beginning of the campaign before he crossed over the Jordan to take the promised land because he knew there would be great opportunities to both be afraid and discouraged. He said, Joshua, listen, I want you to be don't be afraid, but be strong and of good courage because I'm going to be with you wherever you go. And this is the same promise that you and I have as believers. Jesus said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Yeah, but you don't know I'm facing an overwhelming situation. You're right. I don't know, but he does. And he's with you. And he's made promise to you and for you. He's not just with you and and unable to help. That's what it would be like if I was with you. (laughs) Pastor Richard's with me. Yeah, (laughs) good luck. I can't help you. I haven't got any resource to do anything. But when the Lord is with you. All the resources of the universe are with you. And not only does he have the resource and the power, but he has the commitment toward you. Listen, he is for you and not against you. And Romans says, if God is for you, who can possibly be against you? Nothing can separate you from his love. Well, where is he? How how can I find him? He's in your heart. He's living in. He's taken up residence in your life. He is but a prayer away. He is but an opening of your eyes and recognizing and remembering. Do you not know you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? He's with me. And if he's with me, I can make it. You know, when I uh, first felt God calling me to step out and plant a church up here in Arcadia, Monrovia, Duarte area, you know, it was something of a sense of calling and, 
And as that calling began to take more and more shape before me and the, and the time drew near, you know, for me to actually make that step and leave the comfort of the church I was fellowshipping in and the fruitful ministry that was there and the and all. And, and that first step of going out with just a few folks and, you know, planting this work, having a service, wondering who would come, who would ever come back, all the things you worry about. This verse out of Joshua was prophesied as someone had a word. In fact, it was the pastor and someone else, uh, two or three others confirmed that word. And this was what the Lord gave me. Now, don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous for the Lord. Your God is with you. And, you know, even today, I'll I'll be honest with you, as our church is uh, facing some uncertain future steps. I'm not sure where we're going to be fellowshipping. We know that this building is, you know, we've been asked by the city to make other plans. And so I have that same kind of overwhelming fear kind of rising up in my heart from time to time. You know, not all not all the time, but, you know, every five minutes or so. (laughs) And I have to remind I have to kind of push that back down. Listen, don't be afraid. Be strong and of good courage. Because the Lord is with you. Now, I know that up here, but it's the Holy Spirit that makes it known down here. And that's what gives me the confidence to move forward. It's not my church. It's his church. He's doing it. He's going to take care of it. And even though I know that, I find that I have opportunity to be fearful, to get discouraged. Interesting. We were gathered last Sunday evening for our hour of prayer and Uh, One of the brothers praying actually referenced that passage of Scripture. Felt like the Lord gave him that just as a word for us as we were praying. And it just kind of reaffirmed God's promises to me personally as a pastor, but I think to us as a congregation. And I say this for your own application. All of you are facing something that causes fear and potential discouragement. Remember that the Lord is with you. And I believe that the Holy Spirit within you is to bring that help of Strength and courage. Also, I believe the help that the Holy Spirit brings is the help of guidance. Decisions that need to be made. You'll remember Moses, he would meet the Lord daily in the tabernacle and receive instruction from the Lord. He would go to the tabernacle, the temple, the, the place of meeting, and God would speak to him. That tabernacle is now in your heart. God lives within you. Jesus said, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. God doesn't want his will to be some mystery to you. Now, it may seem like that at times because you face decisions and you're not sure. But that may just be that God wants you to pray. God wants you to wait on him. God wants you to remain dependent upon him. God doesn't always give the road map months and years out in front of you, does he? Sometimes it's just days, sometimes maybe just hours. God wants you, he'll give you what you need in that moment. But it is the Holy Spirit that provides that guidance. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. We are to be people led by the Spirit. And that Spirit is living on the inside of you. He's available. It's not that he's not wanting to speak and guide, but it's so often we're not listening. We're too busy planning and scheming and then, oh, oh, this is bad. God, where are you? I've been trying to get your attention halfway down this road before you got yourself to this roadblock. It's about waiting on him. It's about seeking his counsel. If any of you lacks 
If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Learning to walk with him, learning to listen to the Holy Spirit, learning to be led by the Spirit, learning to have the Holy Spirit open up the scriptures into your heart. Listen, much guidance is found in the regular diet of his word, enlightened by the Holy Spirit speaking into your heart. Let me close this section of help with a warning. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19, it says, Do not quench the Spirit. Again, it's not that the Spirit within you is not wanting to influence and to bring help and to encourage and to strengthen. But so often, we quench. We put that fire out. We hinder His help. We refuse to be comforted. We give place to fear and doubt. We let our minds race in all the scenarios. We refuse to listen to his counsel. We disobey his word. We, we try to run it our, our, on our own. And then we end up quenching the very help that he's provided for through the ministry of his Holy Spirit. The second area of impact that I believe the Holy Spirit brings into our life is this idea of change. Change. I'm talking about that transforming power of God that is at work within your life. Do you know that you're not a finished product? Do you know that you're a work in progress? This may be news to some of you, but you're just you're just not all that yet. <laughs> and God is still having to do a work of transformation on our lives. And this is part of what the Holy Spirit is busy doing within your life. One of the ways that he transforms your life, changes you, is he renews your mind. He begins to change the way you think. Because that's so often is the trouble, isn't it? We, we, we're, our thinking's wrong, and so our actions are wrong, and then the outcomes are bad. So God goes to work on renewing our mind. In fact, Romans 12 and verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's your rational, reasonable service. Why? Because he bought you. You belong to him. I'm not giving you my life. Well, I bought you. You're mine. Oh, okay. Here I am. (laughs) I belong to you. It's the right thing to do because he's already purchased you. Now, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, in the Old Testament, the temple, it was a place of offering. It was a place of sacrifice. And in the same way, we now present ourselves as a living sacrifice because we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then we allow this transforming process to begin by allowing him to reshape our thinking. Don't be conformed to the world. That's not where you're going to find renewal power, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Some more verses for you just on this idea of a renewed mind. Romans 8 verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. 
But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Setting your mind on spiritual things. Who is going to help bring those spiritual thoughts to mind? It's the Holy Spirit within you. He's going to be speaking to you. He's going to be reminding you of passages of Scripture. Isn't that what Jesus said to his disciples? Listen, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to bring to remembrance all these things I've taught you. Because as Jesus was teaching them, they were getting, it was kind of going over their head and like they didn't understand it all yet. And like, Lord, what are you saying? We can't even figure all that. Don't worry. Look, I'm just putting this into your spirit right now. But the Holy Spirit, the helper, the comforter, he's going to come and he's going to bring to remembrance all these things that I've taught you. God is going to renew your mind through the ministry of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. But you do have to set your mind. You do have to cooperate with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Another passage, 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. God has given us mighty weapons, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Part of the battle of wages right between the ears. And the Holy Spirit is the mighty in God weapon that we have to bring those thoughts into captivity. And this is what the walk of the Spirit looks like. It's a, it's a renewed mind. It's thinking differently. For the mind that is renewed by the Word, set upon the things of the Spirit, brought it into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is a transforming power. Something else that brings transformation is what we would call the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Let me remind you of Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Boy, I could use a little more of all of that. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That is Galatians 5, 22 through 25. You know, I like Pastor Chuck's take on this passage always was this. That, you know, you'll notice uh, I, as I read, but the fruit, it doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. And Pastor Chuck felt really the only real fruit of the Spirit is love. And all these other qualities, they are a part and aspect of love as it develops in your life. And certainly love is the key manifestation of God's Spirit working in your life. And that's going to take some transformation. You're not going to be able to just willpower love into your life. Try it. I'm going to love him. I'm going to love her. I'm determined. I hate you. (laughs) I was trying so hard to love you. Right? We can't do it. It's going to take a transforming work of his spirit because it's not in us, but it's of him. Let me ask you a question. How is fruit produced? Is it manufactured in a factory? Is it something that's you know, put together and made? Oh, we're going to make oranges today. We're going to make apples tomorrow. Today we're making... No, it's something that bears as a natural product of a healthy tree. 
It just becomes something of what is is expected by virtue of what type of tree or vine it is. And those who are of the spirit will bear spiritual fruit. This transformation is not an act of willpower as much as it is an act of relationship to the vine. You're a branch and you can't bear fruit unless you abide in the vine. It flows out of relationship, not effort, sweat, work. Now, yes, there's cooperation. Yes, there is a discipline of the you know, part of that. One of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. So we do need these things to be in line. We need our own will to align with these things. But Jesus said, I'm the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Fruit is the natural product of a healthy branch abiding in Jesus. And that's what the Holy Spirit within you is all about. Didn't Jesus say when he will testify of me, the Holy Spirit will open up truth about me. The Holy Spirit will always be looking to glorify Christ in your heart, in your mind, in your life. And as you walk in the spirit, you are abiding in Christ and the fruit, the transformation that we want. And we all long for it. I think every sincere Christian wants more of that fruit. We just can't seem to get it going. But the key isn't in trying to manufacture it. The key is abiding in Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to produce it as a natural byproduct and fruit of my life and who I am in Christ. Fruit doesn't grow overnight, does it? It takes time. You have to wait on it. You have to cultivate it. You have to, to, to nurture it. But in time, it comes and it shows up and it's beautiful. And Jesus said, God's will is that you would bear fruit and that you would bear much fruit and that your fruit would remain abiding in Jesus. It comes through prayer. It comes through time in his word. It comes through fellowship with his his children, his believers. And of course, walking in the spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit who is in you to begin to transform you. Let me give you another warning. Ephesians 4 and verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. My first warning was don't quench the spirit. My second warning is don't grieve the spirit. You know, as the spirit begins to work in your heart, a transforming work in your life. As you if you will cooperate with that, you are going to see fruit and the main fruit is going to be love and love is going to transform everything else. It's going to hit every relationship. It's going to hit every part of your character. It's going to transform every part of your selfish nature. Love is going to do its work because that's the fruit of God's spirit. But you can grieve the spirit as you make choices to deviate from that natural fruit that he's trying to produce and you have to cooperate with him you you grieve the spirit by conforming to the world instead of being transformed by the renewing of your mind you grieve the spirit when you don't abide in Jesus and you 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 take your fellowship with him uh, kind of haphazard and then your fruit goes bad or it gets puny and it does not there much and you grieve the spirit he is in you Don't participate in anything that would grieve him because he's with you wherever you go. Finally, today, 
The third area of impact that I want to stress is this area of service. Service. Empowered for ministry by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this in Acts 1 and verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Another aspect of the Holy Spirit's impact upon the life of the believer is that there's going to be power. That word for power is the Greek word dunamis. We get our word dynamite. I mean, it's not just a little bit of power. It's it's an explosive power of God that is residing in the life of the believer. And God wants to even fill it to overflowing. He uses a little different description here. Not only will he be in you, but he will come upon you. The idea of coming upon is he'll just keep filling until you overflow. And that overflowing is going to be the witnessing of Christ in your life. It's going to be the ministry, the service that you are able to offer and render to the Lord, empowered by the Spirit. You're not serving Him to earn anything from Him. You're serving Him as the overflowing of His Spirit just causes it to take place in your life. Equipped and gifted for service. The Scripture clearly teaches in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit gives gifts. And everyone has received gifts. Everyone has some gifting, some work, some equipping of his spirit to be witnesses, salt and light, to to live your Christian life in your community, in your family, in your workplace, to share your faith, giving witness that Jesus Christ is living in you, that you really are a temple of the Holy Spirit. I can tell because it just flows out of your life. And that's the empowering, the gifting of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you may feel like, you know what, I, 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 just, I just am not good at that. I'm not good at witnessing for Christ. I've tried it. It's awkward. It never goes over well. I never, they ask a question. I don't have the answer. And I'm always a little intimidated. And, and I, don't, I, you know, I don't want it to affect my work. I don't want to you know, cause uh, you know, trouble in the family. I mean, the various reasons and things that intimidate us from actually sharing or kind of reaching out with our faith. And I will say that it is not easy and it's not always convenient or even appropriate. You do have to look for those openings that the Lord will give you. But here's the here's the trouble is that so many are not looking for the openings. They've just kind of decided, well, nobody wants it. I tried. I'm done. Instead of looking for that opportunity that God may have for you, that divine appointment. And you never know when it's going to happen. You say, I know that I never know and I'm never ready. Yes, you are, because don't you know you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? You are always ready because the Spirit of God is within you. Let me just give you one challenge. This would just be a way to kind of break the ice for some of you. Think about this this week. Very practical. Ask the Lord to give you an opportunity to pray for someone. You don't have to win them to Christ. You don't have to convert an atheist. Just, okay, Lord, open an opportunity for me to pray with someone. Here's been my experience that almost everybody is willing to let you pray for them. The, the, the biggest heathen, some of the greatest heathens I've ever met in the workplace. Can I pray for you? Oh, okay. <laughs> and you can pray. 
Look for that opportunity. Ask the Lord to open that door. You know, I was uh, my wife and I were um, visiting my uh, my brand new granddaughter, my only grandchild here this week. Pictures are coming. Don't worry. (laughs) Anyway, we had a real nice week. But anyway, as occasion, uh, we were down and we were staying in a camper down where they live. And uh, so I had an opportunity to meet uh, up with, you know, I used to work in that industry. Some of you may know that my family business is in the RV industry. So have some connections there. So I was at the office uh, occasion there to kind of get the details of where we were going to be staying. And and I happened to meet this manager who was there for the first time. Now, I'll concede he knew that I had left the business and become a pastor. So I kind of had a little little bit of a, a clout going in. He knew that, you know, I was spiritually minded, but without any, you know, we did, I didn't introduce myself that way. And we didn't talk about anything other than just, you know, details of, of getting this trailer worked out. And um, I said, you know, this is really a nice location and, and you do a you do a good job here. I, I'm, I'm glad to see that you're you're uh, taking care of things here. And he kind of, you know, he just paused. He said, you know, I'm really thankful to hear that. He says, because a lot of times I just wonder, you know, uh, what am I doing here? Am I, am I doing a good job? Am I on the right track, you know? And, and I said, well, you know, now that I know that, I'll be praying for you. And he said, oh, yeah, and, and pray for my son. He said, my son has got a, a real a mental disorder, and I'm worried about him all the time. And so I just opened up this door, you know, just this... Really casual, nothing, taking care of business transaction turned into a ministry opportunity to pray. Now, I know, well, pastor, that's because you're the pastor. He knew you were a pastor. They always want prayer from you. <clears throat> but that's, that wasn't the setting that we were in. And, and, and it, these things have happened to me when people don't know I'm a pastor. Those are the ones I like. That's why my wife says, tell them you're a pastor. No, I don't want to tell them I'm a pastor. I want to see how the Lord works, you know, let them... Let them show their true color before they know I'm a pastor. (laughs) But listen, uh, here's what I want to tell you. The fields are white for harvest. And the Holy Spirit is in you. And the answer that the world needs is on your lips. Ask God to open a door. Just pray. Just be willing to pray for someone. And let that maybe be the start of a spiritual Reality that God can use and turn into something deeper. Not only are we equipped to be witnesses, but clearly we are equipped to serve one another as Christians. Equipped to serve the body of Christ for the profit of all. Ephesians 4, 7, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And that is intended that the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. And you're one of those joints, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You are a part of the body of Christ. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. If you've received Christ into your life, you have a gift. You have something to offer. Not only in the way of being a witness and a light where God has placed you, but also a ministry and a blessing here within the place that you fellowship. Can I say just being here today, you've been a part. 
just coming and, and worshiping with your brothers and sisters. There is something that you bring to the whole just by being here, participating, engaging in the worship, allowing God's word to do a work listening and letting God speak to you and, and going out from here equipped with his word. Just, just that is a part. And just that is doing something. Pray that God would even open up more opportunity for you. Maybe there'd be an opportunity to get connected in a, in a home fellowship this fall as we open those up. And this is not a pressure. This is not a sales pitch. God wants to use your life. And the Holy Spirit is within you, ready to go. And he's gifted you. And I say, look for those things where you can have opportunity to be a blessing, to be a part. Who knows what the Lord will open up? Who knows how the Lord will use you if you'll make yourself available? Maybe you would pray and consider serving even here at the body as opportunities come up in the bulletin that you would say, hey, there's a there's a chance for me to use whatever gifting I have. Take a step of faith and see what the Lord would do because the Holy Spirit is within you. And I'll close here today with my final warning. And we don't have time to go and look at it, but you'll remember the the parable in Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus talked about um, an owner who distributed various talents, resources to his servants, and then he left on a long journey. And some of the, you know, one of the servants multiplied the, the resource that he had been given many times. Another one also multiplied the resource that he had been given. But then one was, he just buried what was given to him. He didn't invest it or didn't put it to use at all. He just kept it safe. And the master returned and the first two were, they were able to present what the increase, how they had used what the master had given to them. And he said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Then he came to the last who buried it and said, here it is. I haven't lost anything. And he said, you wicked and lazy servant. You could have at least put it in the bank and earn interest. You buried it. You did nothing with what I gave to you as resource. So my final warning is, listen, as the Holy Spirit has distributed gifts and ministry to all, don't bury it. Don't, don't, real, don't forget that God has entrusted these things to you, to you to be used through you. And so you would put them to work as the Spirit leads you in those things that he opens up for you to serve. Let's pray. And so, Lord, we, we thank you today as we conclude our Do You Not Know series. Today, Lord, we are reminded very clearly that we are temples of the Holy Spirit and that we are not our own. We belong to you because you have purchased us at a price. Therefore, We are called to glorify God in our bodies and in our spirits, which are yours. Help us, Lord. Help us to be reminded of this power that dwells within us, this helper, this comforter, this transforming work of the spirit, bearing fruit and bearing love in my life. And Lord, may I walk and be faithful with those gifts and opportunities for service that you would present to me. Lord, I pray for all of us as a church. I pray for each individual member here, Lord, each one being precious to you. There's not a one that's not been gifted. There's not a one 
which the Holy Spirit has not taken up residence to bring work and help. And I pray that we would receive that, Lord, by faith today and allow you to grow and work these things through our lives. And as our heads are bowed here, I do want to give an opportunity for anyone that may need to receive the Lord for the very first time. It may be that you are here today and you do not know the Lord Jesus as your Savior. You know of Jesus, but you've never received him into your life. You've never invited him to forgive you of your sins and thanked him for dying on the cross for you. And maybe you need to receive Christ today. I'd love to pray for you. Until Christ is received, there is no Holy Spirit residing within you. You're alone, left with nothing but yourself and your carnal mind. But to the believer, the Spirit of God instantly moves into the heart and you become born again. And it may be that someone here today would love that prayer. And I'd love to pray for you. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. Maybe you know the Lord, but truthfully, you're not walking with Him. You're not walking in the Spirit. You're not letting your life really be led by the Spirit of God. You're kind of doing your own thing. You know, the, you know the, the facts of the Gospel, but you're not really allowing God to be glorified in your life. And maybe the Lord wants to have your heart afresh and anew here today. I'd love to pray for you as well. So if you're here today and you want to receive Christ for the very first time or you want to rededicate, recommit your life to him, would you raise your hand where you're seated and I will pray for you. Anybody here today? Bless you, ma'am. You, sir, in the back. Amen. Any others? The Lord speaking to you. You need this prayer. Anyone else besides these two that have responded? God bless you. You need the Lord. You need to rededicate your life to the Lord. You need to receive this work of His Spirit, fresh and anew. Anyone else, just before I pray? And so, Lord, I do pray for these that have responded to Your Word, and I ask that You would minister to them, God, by the power of Your Spirit. Lord, For those that are here needing to receive you for the first time, I pray that they would simply come and acknowledge before you that they need forgiveness. They would simply say in their heart, Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I I believe that you died on that cross for me. And I'm asking you to take up residence in my heart in the person of your spirit, the Holy Spirit. Come and live within me and help me live the Christian life that you've called me to. And for those coming home to you, Lord, I pray that you would embrace them and refresh them in the Spirit. And God, that they would begin to live in such a way that you would be glorified in and through their lives. We thank you for these things today. In Jesus' name, amen.